Welcome back to the Black Men Unlearning Podcast, y'all. I'm your co-host, Edwin Lee. And I'm your other co-host, Kyle Brooks. And uh, we've got an interesting topic today, Kyle. You know, I'm uh, I'm just going to get us to, to jump right in by asking you a question. Um, can you Can you talk to us about a time that you thought too lowly of yourself? And... Give us some details about how that manifested in your life. Wow. So not a nice light question. Yeah, we're just going <laughs> to jump right in. We're not going to waste no time. Oh, gosh. So a time when I, I thought too lowly of myself. Hmm. So I can think of, interestingly enough, you know, I, I think about times where this has shown up in uh like relationships like dating and things like that and in reflection i recognized that there were things i accepted and tolerated things i subjected myself to in uh interactions or in relationship with uh with women in my life that i recognized oh wait you were doing that because you did not think well of yourself you did not um, think highly enough to set a boundary or to communicate, I don't want this, or this hurts, or this doesn't feel good for me or right for me. And, and so sometimes that just manifested as going along to get along, like doing and doing, doing things to kind of preserve uh, a given situation or state of affairs out of fear that if I say what I actually want, or if I assert myself, then it's going to terminate or damage the relationship in some way. So I think that's, that's one example where I can think of just being, uh, being too humble, downplaying myself, putting myself in a position where I gave away the power of my self-perception, my self-worth. Yeah, it's, you know, in order to for us to start this podcast, one of the things that we realized that we have a lot of things in common. And so it stands to reason that our examples that we did not talk about before this uh, are very similar. So when I thought of an answer to this question, I, I thought about how I previously operated in relationships. I was uh, someone who would pine after, I would say, uh, women that I was interested in. Uh, and kind of develop not like a healthy like or interest in folks, but like an infatuation, I would say. Um, and in that way, there was, as I've unpacked those behaviors and those patterns, there was this desire to have myself validated by having those people love me in ways that I felt I deserved to be loved and hoped that someone would come along and love me. And so I found myself contorting myself uh, mm -hmm. to make those people fit into my life, no matter how they decided they wanted to show up. Um, if they even showed up at all in, in some cases. Uh, and what that left me with was, you know, kind of all of these very beautiful things that I was offering, dusty, you know, uh, not well uh, kept, well treated, uh, and all the pain associated with that. Because as you said, I wouldn't set the boundaries or uh, I thought that my offerings were um not valuable enough or worthy enough to not be subject subjected to that behavior or that response. Uh, and so I put other people's value and the potential value of their presence in my life over the standards that I had for the beautiful things that I was offering. Uh, so yeah, I, I, yeah. So, so today's episode, we're going to kind of jump into this idea of the times that we maybe think too lowly of ourselves and more specifically this concept of toxic humility. And so I, 
immediately, I want to be careful here, right? Because when you say the word toxic in 2021, there are some things that come to our mind, right? Uh, some definitions of the word. And so we, as uh, folks who are not going to be reductive in our thinking, are going to try to be a little bit thorough here. A little bit thorough seems like it's not a good way to say that. But we're going we're gonna to go into kind of defining the parts of it. So when we say toxic, uh, in this culture, Kyle, like what what do you think of what what comes to mind? So when I think of the term toxic, I mean the the former STEM geek in me thinks of being in chemistry lab, and of course uh, doing experiments with chemicals, some of which mix well, some of which mix terribly, and can cause very uh, toxic reactions. Uh, toxic in this case meaning poisonous, uh, harmful, able to cause some sort of damage uh, for and for the human beings in the lab, this could cause neurological damage. It could uh, you know cause respiratory damage. And so when I think of toxicity in a general sense, what comes to mind for me are things that can be harmful, things that can be uh, poisonous, things that can adulterate, a sort of healthy and vibrant functioning. Um, and so that kind of notion of toxicity could apply to many things. Um, and a lot of times it's not even so much that the, the thing referred to as toxic is bad in and of itself. Mm -hmm. You know, so this, once again, the natural, natural world for me, I feel like furnishes a lot of great examples. Um, it's not that you know, like I think about how like I love the I love the smell of freshly cut grass. It's toxic for someone who's allergic to it. Um, and so the thing itself is not bad, but it's about the context and the circumstances and what kind of impact they have acutely on people. Yeah. Uh, and, and I find that I think the longer I live, the less I'm interested in this sort of stark uh, dichotomy between this is good, this is bad. For me, it's more, what, are, what is the context in which a thing is happening or being expressed and what consequences does that have immediately for the folks that are involved? Yeah, that's good. Um, I think there was a time that I would kind of too easily throw that word toxic around. And so upon further review, you know, there, there, there needs to be more space for us to, to go back and think about what we're applying uh, that description too. Um, when we talk about humility, I think uh, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm not going to get to a place where I'm just dragging humility for our entire episode, right? Humility has function. Um, I think it's important to think about the the benefits of humility. Humility keeps our ego in check, right? And if you have you know gotten in into contact with your own ego and done some 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 ego maintenance, if you will. Uh, we all can realize if we've gone through some of that work that uh, you you we we need to be able to think of what things are truly attributable to ourselves and the work that we've done and the goodness that we bring, and the times where we have to kind of you know tamp it down a little bit humble ourselves, if you will, using the word in the definition, uh, and going through and, and really uh, thinking about what factors actually contributed to the circumstances that we're getting into, right? And so in that same way, uh, our humility helps us to, you know, not attribute every good thing that happens to us to our hard work or to our ability to be in the right place at the right time, which isn't an ability at all, or some demonstration of our power or how we're better uh, equipped than other folks. Uh, and it also allows us to acknowledge when folks have contributed to what, to our outcomes. Uh, and, and not only to acknowledge that contribution, but hopefully to compensate folks properly for their contributions to our outcomes. Looking at you, capitalism, you suck. Um, good humility uh, <laughs> helps us to see uh, other folks is levelly human. It helps us to see other folks' circumstances not as some flat, um, just quick understanding of 
well, this person did is in this certain station of life or this certain situation, and that situation is attributable to bad choices that that person makes made, but it allows us to extend them grace, right? It allows us to um, really extend them grace that we ourselves realize that we need as well. And so humility definitely has great benefits, very positive. I don't think I'm, you know, saying anything really profound there. I think we all would like to think that humility is a good thing. Right? <laughs> I, would, I, w- I would think so. I, I think humility, so with time and experience, I, I've come to think about humility in a different way. Mm. Uh, I understand humility along the lines that you have articulated. Uh, it represents for me an accurate vision or view about who you are and what you're capable of and what your relationship is to others, to the world, to yourself. Uh, and I've come to understand humility less as just a kind of state of being than uh, a practice and a discipline of clear perspective. What comes to mind for me, and and I think about this with our natural vision, that what we see in front of us is an ongoing set of pictures. Our eyes function uh, as, as cameras, right? Like they take pictures and our brains sort of fluidly uh, stitch these things together so that we see a kind of smooth set of things happening around us. Uh, And for those of us uh, like on this podcast who are uh, profoundly nearsighted, (laughs) uh, that vision is challenged in some very concrete ways, right? Thank you, genetics and our eyes. (laughs) Uh, But but what what comes to mind for me in that then is... um, is that perspective is an evolving thing and we're constantly attuning and adjusting in the same way that I, you know, I go to the optometrist and I get adjustments to my prescription because the conditions are changing. My eyes are changing. I'm aging. All of that, all of these factors that impact how I maintain clear perspective, sharp vision, Uh, which is to say then like it's an ongoing thing. It doesn't stop. Uh, humility right. from, and so humility for me as is it's a practice in that way shout out to practice um, but it is also a discipline it is a thing to which we commit ourselves um, a thing that we reiterate a thing that we do again and again it's not just a one and done so it's not like uh, <laughs> I think about a uh, you know my grandfather would tell this story of a man who won uh a prize for humility, but he had to give it back as soon as he accepted it <laughs> because <laughs> it was like, Oh, can't be too prideful. Like right. uh, I'm right. proud of my achievement. And now I've, I failed at it. So, yeah. yeah. It, <laughs> and that's a, that's a great example that, that really highlights it. Right. Because I think in our culture, we have a lot of language uh, and a lot of thoughts for uh, when folks think too highly of themselves. Right. Yes. Um, we don't, we, we speak a lot about being too prideful, right. And kind of, or being a show off or, you know, you know, just putting it in people's faces that you've, that you're doing well, but we don't kind of talk about the opposite end of the spectrum when we limit our ability to even enjoy the, the good things about ourselves, the good things that we've done. So as we talk about this idea of, you know, toxic humility, it is those moments where we don't even allow ourselves to acknowledge um, the value that we bring, the good things about what we've done or accomplished, uh, the places where we've gone. And so um, I think that there have been different times in my life where I don't think there was an intent to make me make myself small, but there was probably a desire to teach me to protect myself by not drawing too much attention to myself. And um, when I think about toxic humility, I, I think about some of what 
well, some of the the possible poor outcomes that can come from this. And I think one of them is just this idea that we never get to see the fullness of ourselves because we're so busy trying to make it small enough such that it won't draw attention. Uh, we don't even get to walk fully in our own skin and see what it's like to walk around openly in that because we're so concerned about how it will be uh, viewed or consumed or judged. So we stay in a smaller box. We make ourselves small such that folks will never uh, be bothered by us. The fascinating thing about these boxes to me is that we don't always question where they came from and why they're here. Like, who gave you this box? Who said this is how you are to contain yourself, to hold yourself together? I am not held together best by boxes. Mm. I am held together well by community, by love, by accountability, by all the, the things that uh, become a part of creating a holistically healthy life uh, for myself and with others. But boxes, if anything, really do this kind of work of containment and constraint. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I think there's something to be said for, in a manner of speaking, not being all over the place. Um, we can have wide-ranging interests, wide-ranging desires, and we can and should live into those things. Uh, if, if anything, if any lesson has been drilled into my mind over this last year and a half, it's been this, that life is far too precarious and uncertain and short for us to waste any time trying to sidestep or downplay who it is we want to be, where yeah. it is we want to go, um, how it is we want to imagine ourselves. And, and the, the thing is, it's okay for there to be distance between a vision of myself that I have not yet actualized and a clear perspective on where I am right now. Yeah. Uh, and, and to me, I think that's, it's really healthy because when there's, when there's no more room to grow, that's when, when stuff starts falling apart, right? Like the, and, and so this kind of a toxic humility in a sense is an artificial inhibitor to our growth. Mm -hmm. And when a thing stops growing, like, you know, I think about what are the characteristics of living things? Living things grow. And when growth has ceased, that's typically a sign that decay there and is. destruction are around the corner. There it um, is. It, the prime example I think of is like, Man, I'm, I don't know. I think I'm going to be in my science bag today. This is just where I'm feeling, man. No, like, give in it. Natural sciences, man. So, like, I think about um, uh, the life cycle of butterflies. Mm -hmm. How the vast majority of a butterfly's life is spent in the stages of caterpillar and cocoon. Caterpillar and cocoon are stages of development. Mm -hmm. Like, butterfly, like, that's the thing people like to look at. It's most beautiful and flashy. But a butterfly is not growing anymore. Yeah. Butterfly is is like, OK, I'm done. This is it. And it can be beautiful to imagine ourselves as done, as complete, mm -hmm. as no longer in need of something. And so it might just be like we're always going to have to if we're truly committed to growing and being our, you know, the best selves that we can be. That might also mean this humble acknowledgement that we're always going to see something in ourselves that does not quite meet the imagined ideal or the greatest, highest examples we might see in the world. Where I, I, I love the butterfly metaphor uh, because I think it works in a couple ways. I think that we're also in, in some cases taught to stay in the caterpillar stage. Boom. To stay in the cocoon, right? Because the butterfly is too much. Uh, right? yeah. That is 
it is in you. It is a, uh, it is certainly where you are designed to go. But mm-hmm. once you get there, it's too flashy, right? Yeah. And so I, I, I want to be careful in this moment too, not to assign like a negative characterization of uh, our, our, our ancestors, our, our family members who may have taught us these things, because I believe in many of these cases, they taught them out of necessity. Um, I mean, the, the history of growing up Black in America, humility and, and carrying yourself in a lowly manner mm-hmm. was a part of keeping yourself safe, right? Yeah. And so I offer... Um, I'll offer a content warning here. Um, uh, so I'm going to talk a little bit about um, a story that was on social media this past week uh, from a TikTok uh, about lynching. So you might want to fast forward a little bit if you're not trying to hear about that. I'm not going to go into graphic details, but if you if you would prefer not to, you can you know fast forward through this part. Uh, but essentially, the the, the TikTok detail uh, this nurse and this is just somebody's TikTok giving a story, right? So it's conceivable that this happened, but I'm, you know, I have not vetted this extensively, but essentially a nurse working in a COVID ward. Uh, and there's been a lot of posts about f- folks getting confessions in these COVID wards, right? But an elderly woman, an elderly white woman in the COVID ward confessed that in the 1930s in Louisiana, she accused a black boy of touching her behind a store and, um, that boy was, as a result of that lie, um, lynched um, in all the grisly, you know, forms that we've come to associate with lynching. Um, and she, in the COVID war, to- told this nurse that she had done it because she saw the boy's sisters had prettier dresses than her, and she didn't like it. And she was riddled with guilt about it. She was even uh hallucinating uh and seeing a black boy standing in the corner now you (laughs) i don't know how much of a hallucination it was but uh that being said um this practice of humility is something that we've learned as a as a a defense mechanism it is a a manner of maintaining our safety and the problem with this and we've talked about this quite a bit on this podcast is that when we send these messages, a child's mind gets to take in what they can and make sense of what they can. And this could have been explicitly given uh, as, you know, this is the reason why we do this. And you're still, you know, this valuable person and beautiful and you are allowed to enjoy all these things. But when we're in these public places, you know, you have to keep yourself safe. There's a possibility that that full conversation was had, but in many cases, it's just, hey, when you go out, you don't do this. I can remember, don't have your hands in your pocket in the store. Don't have your hood up on your head when you go in the store, right? And it's not that you, you we may have just enjoyed that style or we just were being comfortable, but it was something we were told not to do. And it doesn't really have any moral attachment to it. It is something that is done for our safety, right? And so- it gets lost in generation, this generational game of telephone. So we then stop even thinking of this kind of humbling ourselves and not wearing ornate clothing or not drawing attention to ourselves with our hairstyles or the way that we dress, carry ourselves, the shoes that we wear out of safety, but also we forget that it's even about that. And we start just teaching it as a rule. And what are the consequences of not realizing that the act is an act? What do we lose because we no longer think of this as, or we can no longer discern the act from our reality? Mm. So, so many things there in what you said. I want to think about this idea of, of law, what we lose. And I think about how the loss is compounded when we recognize just how those safeguards don't actually protect Come us. On. 
from the thing we've been taught to be afraid of. Doesn't matter how respectable, how well-dressed, how humble, how, um, you know, how much you constrict and constrain yourself to satisfy the whims of another person. Even if you, even if you maintain your life, you lose freedom. Like you can't live freely if the, the sort of preoccupation is always what will happen if I be myself. And that that's a that's a scary thing to live with, especially and, and man, I th I think, you know, I've, I've learned over time to have more compassion for the things that uh, the folks who came before me were doing and learning and incorporating. They were doing the best they could from the perspective and understanding they had. Absolutely, I can see their situation retrospectively in a way that they couldn't have seen it in the same way in the thick of it. Mm -hmm. And so I understand how a lot of these behaviors and practices come from a place of fear, whether it's, you know, I'm going, you know, I'm gonna beat you behind. So, you know, this world out here doesn't do it. It's like, well, what if they still do it anyway? Right. Um, like th this, this idea and, and the functionally it's this idea of if I can inflict this small wound, mm. maybe it can protect me from the bigger wound. But either way, I'm still hurting. Either way, I'm still bleeding. Either way, I'm still trying to cope with a reality that I didn't ask for. Yep. And that does not allow me the space and the opportunity to, to realize my best capability. I, this brings, me, bring, brings to mind a, a, a story, and I think I shared this with you about um, I remember I was on a college tour with a group of students. I was one of the chaperones and uh, there was a professor at the school who was talking with us. And at the end of his talk, he said, I want you all to do something for me. I want everyone who is able to raise your hands as high as you can. And so everyone who could raise their hands, extended them in the air. And when all the hands were up, he said, now I want you to raise them a little bit higher. And then you saw all the hands go up a little higher. And he said, notice how no one has to tell you to limit yourself. Mm. You do it automatically. And the thing that came to me is how in these kinds of moments, uh, analogous moments of our lives, what happens is we, we have internalized a kind of humility that says, don't stretch, reach for what's comfortable, reach for what's within reason, what seems uh, reasonable, what seems like enough, what's not too much, is not gonna overdo it. But rarely do most folk stretch beyond their comfort without someone saying it's possible, without letting them know, mm. hey, you can do this, or like, you're allowed to do this. You're allowed to want more, to want differently, and we are not constrained to always be making ourselves small and saying, oh, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm not the, the person for this. Maybe I'm not right for that. It's like, fam, it's folk out here every day <laughs> doing things on a wing and a prayer and making moves and getting ahead because they simply had the audacity. And now some kinds of audacity are dangerous <laughs> and damaging, but I think, you know, part of this, this question of, of pushing against these uh, toxic inheritances and practices of humility that are actually debasing and, and um, denigrating, there's the need to have the audacity of belief that I'm valuable, I'm worthy, that I am not, that what is not in question is my worth. And that's not the thing that I have to prove to people, but I do have to have a clear perspective and belief in my worth. Because if I don't, I'm going to keep thinking it's okay to minimize myself in these ways. Yeah, you, 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 you spoke about the small wound 
And what came to me in thinking about that idea of, of trying to avoid the larger wound, excuse me, is that the small wound isn't just one wound either. It, it happens repeatedly because mm-hmm. every time we get into this uh, mode of pretending that we are less than or trying to diminish or blunt our um, the truth of ourselves, right? There's a, the wound is being reopened or an additional gash is being uh, inflicted, right? And so, you know, I think that this has a, a, a lot of effects. When you think about, you know, numbing ourselves to joy or the inability for some of us to experience the joy of our accomplishments, that we, we just move past it. We keep it moving because we were taught not to get stuck in it or or even that we are so afraid to enjoy things because we've either learned based on evidence in our own lives or we've been told from other folks that when too many good things have happened to you, you should be waiting for the other shoe to drop. And so Mm -hmm. we just stop ourselves from even taking any joy in it. Or we learn to pretend that um, our accomplishments aren't as good as they are because we don't want other folks to be threatened by the good things that are happening to us and our celebration of those things. And all of those examples are us cutting off or burying parts of ourselves um, in order to appease other people, in order to live harmoniously with other people. And there is no harmony where we have to lie. If we have to lie to to sustain the harmony, there is no harmony. I think I think uh, Bree Newsom Bass said that. So um, yeah, I there we can't we can't diminish ourselves in that way, and then not also be incurring a significant loss. And so it's important for us to be able to enjoy the fullness of ourselves to to not we don't have to move into a boastful place in order to maintain humility right like we don't we don't have to say nothing about the good things uh Mm -hmm. that have happened to us or or celebrate them minimally in order to maintain humility right we can be joyous about the fullness of who we are we can spread the butterfly wings and and flaunt all of their colors without losing the part of ourselves that's humble indeed indeed humility to me is it comes back to the clear perspective about the thing yeah humility is not about the denial of our realities Uh, like think about how because i think when I when I think about this sort of realm of, of toxic humility, what also comes to mind for me is the problem of false humility. Mm-hmm. And think about how annoying it is when people pretend to not be a thing that they are. It's it's like LeBron said, like LeBron James said, oh, man, you know, I'm, I'm OK at basketball. It's like, bro. You are an elite player in the most elite basketball league on the planet. You're not okay at basketball. You're actually one of the all-time greats. Yeah. And so to like talk about that in the that way as like falsely humble is just not like it's no, it's it's a lie. It's not true. It's mm-hmm. it's misleading in a way that is not at all productive and is not a reflection of our best selves. And, and I and I want to reiterate that you know best self is also a kind of a kind of language that is very popular culturally right now socially uh, but for me best self is not about one either a capitalistic notion of have i produced the most have i become the best according to these shifting and artificial metrics but for me it's more about the the realization of possibility have I like really given myself over to the idea of, man, I can like stretch a little bit and do some things that may not be immediately easy, but like are possible. 
and can be great. And I don't have to front like I'm not doing those things. Um, I think about the various times when it's felt difficult for me to just celebrate stuff. I have a really, really hard time celebrating certain things. And some of it, I think, has to do with this anxiety about how people will perceive me, how people will interpret me. Because I, I, I know I... And, and this is where the, taking steps back at times from social media became tremendously helpful for me because I realized mm, sometimes I have a bad reaction to when I feel like people are just doing a lot. And th- whether whether they they objectively are or are not is not the point. Uh, the point is when you find that things are triggering you in specific ways and causing reactions and responses in you. For me, your responsibility then is to figure out like, hmm, what's causing that? What's at the root of that? Because more often than not, it's not really about that person and what they're doing. It's about me. And how do I feel about what I'm doing or not doing? Uh, yeah. how, how do I feel about the way that I show up in a sort of public and present way? Because I know that I desire to be seen in a certain light and to be seen in certain ways. And, and this for me comes back to the sort of initial examples we shared, right? About how, you know, when you talk about pining after someone or something and the ways that you then start to uh, contort yourself to one, like fit into whatever is gonna be acceptable or desirable to to the gaze, the perspective of that person. But then also finding yourself desiring like a kind of affirmation Mm -hmm. um, of your worth from those you deem worthy. Because the thing is, I'm will I'm willing to bet. I won't say what I'll bet or how much, but I'm willing to bet that while you were pining, and while I'm sure I, I was pining too, like it's, it's, your story is my story, right? <laughs> um, there were also persons who probably saw you in the light you wanted to be seen. Come on, but you didn't see them in the light that you idealized and so there's this kind of dance that goes on where like our perspective is constantly being challenged where it's like oh i'm not good enough for x y and z and like well i'll stop there because this makes me think of a host of things because because this toxic humility thing is also i think tied to uh, a question of man are we are we willing and able to be honest with ourselves about what we want and what we're striving for? Mm-hmm. Uh, cause sometimes, cause sometimes like I, I feel like we, we keep those things under wraps and this is our safeguard. This is our way of we guard, guarding against the brokenness of hearts. Yeah. Like if I don't want it too badly, then it won't hurt so badly when I don't get it. Yes. So yeah. I'll just never say I want it. I'll just never go for it. Yeah. If I stay humble, I'm safe. It, and 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 it's a it's it's not even a false humility that's necessarily directed to other folks. It's the ones the the false humility that we keep for ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Keep for ourselves um, to make sure that we're protecting ourselves or creating this space of safety, so we don't get disappointed, so we don't have some concrete evidence that we are not as good as we hoped to be, right? Um, and I think it's, it's, it's interesting, man. Like false humility is kind of built into these very familiar places where we yeah. might not realize we're, we're practicing it, man. So like, you know, we might see each other one day and I see, you know, hey, them, those, those, those new shoes, man, those are, those are, those are hot, man. I really, I was trying to get those and I couldn't get, get them. You yeah. might hit me with that, man. You know, I'm just staying out the way, man. I'm, I'm trying to get like you. Instead <laughs> right. of just accepting the, the, the compliment, right? Instead of just saying like, yeah, man, I love these. I, I, I was, I was really hoping I would get them and it, and it came through for me. So I wanted to treat myself. We don't even own it. Yeah. Yeah, man, we won't accept our own joy. 
And that's and, something it's 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 a part of you know the popular lexicon like that that uh -huh. I'm trying to get like you that pushing the 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 compliment aside, the not accepting the attention that comes with it. And right, innocuous enough in in whatever case, right? But is it? But is it? Man, it strike like something something that strikes me, and it, the the way you the way you frame that that really hit me. I think about how many folks um, need and desire real meaningful affirmation. Mm -hmm. Not just people blowing smoke, not just people giving you compliments over like superficial stuff, right? Because we know that there are ways we can kind of arrange ourselves or comport ourselves or present ourselves in order to garner a certain kind of attention. But there are also ways in which we want to be seen and understood for who we are. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and part of this, this sort of minimization can be a way of saying, well, if people aren't gonna see me for who I am or how I desire to be understood, then let me just make myself less visible. Mm -hmm. Let me give, so that whatever it is they see can align more with what I'm putting out into the world. Um, and, and, and it can become this kind of challenging, uh, this kind of challenging feedback loop where we get sort of stuck in and entangled in this endless game of trying to refine our interior world in order to direct our outside presentation and hopefully have some impact on others' external validation. Mm. It's like, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a sort of cycle I've had to become conscious of and then actively work to say, you know what? You actually don't need to chase that. You actually need to sit with I, what, what, what is it about you and your self-understanding that causes you to feel like you need someone to tell you you're okay, to tell you mm -hmm. you're valuable. Um, there's a, there's a self-understanding that we can't receive from others that like it has to That's be good. generated within. Um, and that, that I, that I, that I would say, we can't afford to let ourselves get lost in the fulfillment of this kind of mythical like ideal that someday we'll, we'll, we'll make it. And someday, uh, you know, I won't feel insecurity. Like that may just always be with us. And the key is, well, how do you learn to live within and with that, as opposed to saying, you know, I can't be anything, I can't do anything until I vanquish all my insecurities. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it I'm I'm reminded of just this quote that in, in 2021 it's hard to attribute quotes to to anyone, right? So if I saw it on Twitter, it could be repeated 7,000 times by all kinds of folks. So who said it first? Who knows? But um, I found myself saying it in a conversation with a student I was working with uh, this past week. And it's just this idea of who is, who is viewing and receiving us is not as important, right? So at, not as important as us being true to ourselves. So the quote is just, stop breaking yourself down to, into bite-sized pieces to serve others. Stay whole and let them choke. Mm. That's their problem, right? So leaving it for someone else to deal with whatever they feel about the ways that we show up and the, the, the fullness and truth of who we are freeing us up to truly enjoy what is true about us, our, our accurate view of ourselves, to be able to see it not only as something to be celebrated, but also 
as something to aspire to because that accurate view speaks to what's possible, speaks to how we have to adjust our worldview, our behaviors in order to get to where we're trying to go as well. And it's so important for us not to be caught up in other folks' view such that we wouldn't be able to see the whole picture or the, the whole picture of the of possibilities for ourselves, right? Yo, let them choke. They'll be all right. Somebody will come through with a Heimlich, you know, hopefully. <laughs> Fam, yeah. It is not our responsibility to police other people's reactions or responses to us. Or shape them. Yeah. In, in many ways, I, you know, I think about something my, my friend um, would share that his mother told him, she would tell him, you know, what other people think about me is none of my business. I want to snap. Uh, like, and can I tell you what's, what's really like funny and hilarious is, it's, it's like I think about stuff where, like, say, for instance, you know, if you find out someone doesn't like you and you're like, but we don't even really know each other like that. Or there's a, or like the animosity is not like mutual. It might oh. be like, oh, OK, I feel that way about you at all. And it, it is like, wait, what's 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 good? And, what, and what, what becomes clear, right, is that so many times like people's feelings about you or towards you. Are really about their stuff yep which suggests to me that sometimes my feelings about how are people seeing me is my stuff and sure. i don't need and this is this is this is the dynamic right like there's this, this dynamic of humility for me it's not about one it's not about denial it's not about fakery it's also not about being overblown it's not about like being self-aggrandizing but it's about a sense of, of, of like, to me, you know, I just think of it as this kind of like wise calmness where like you're in the zone and everything is just kind of slowed down. And like you see things unfolding and you're you're just clear about what's unfolding. Yeah. Um, I think about the definitions that folk have, uh, have, have given me of humility that have really stuck with me. Two, two that come to mind. One is that humility is... Um, agreeing with agreeing with God about who I am and so it's kind of like oh no this is this is not being boastful this is just being very clear about this is what I contain this is what I hold this is what I offer and not having to amend that mm -hmm. for the sake of others but also this this other piece to it that I thought was really helpful that the idea that humility is understanding when something is beyond your capacity. Mm. And um, I, I took that quote from, uh, so the actor Mahershala Ali uh, plays an imam in a television show on Hulu called Rami. Phenomenal show um, by this uh, Egyptian American guy who's a millennial and trying to figure out his life and love and all of that jazz. But um, thinking this idea that humility is understanding when something is beyond your capacity it means knowing when to sit down <laughs> it means it means knowing when like hey fam this ain't your bag like don't chase every bag everything ain't your thing to do and like there's a blessing in knowing what is your work and what isn't because then i don't have to play false humble and i don't have to play fake great Mm -hmm. I can just be like, yeah, I'm in my zone. I'm in my wheelhouse. I know exactly what I'm doing here and I know why I'm here. And that to me is a place, that's the place of freedom that we're often like seeking or hoping for, but that gets lost and gets tangled up in this larger world of well, what will people think of me? Like, man, they will think whatever they want because their minds and thoughts are theirs. They was going to do that anyway. Exactly. Yeah, man. I mean, and even to that point of like finding the place on the spectrum where our, you know, celebration of self or our comfort with how, you know, we respond to the good things about ourselves 
is and remains humble is it's a moving scale. Like there's not a, a set definition. I always, you know, hate to see when watching football celebration penalties. I hate it. Right. <laughs> hate yeah. It. Partly because as I've, you know, grown and thought about it, these feel innately white supremacist, but I'll save that part of it just to say uh, like, what are you supposed to do when good things happen? You're just not supposed to acknowledge them at all. I, of course, I won a touchdown. I, I scored a touchdown. Why would I not celebrate in this moment? Why would I not spike the ball or do a dance? Shouldn't I? Do you not want to, me to be happy about good things that happen? Do, what happens to us physiologically when good things happen? Do you find yourself smiling? Do you find yourself sometimes dancing? Have you ever sat down in front of an amazing plate of food? As I continue this theme of weaving together consecutive episodes of our podcast into each other, you sat down in front of an amazing plate of food. It just looks great. Everything is at the right temperature. And you take that first bite. Do you find yourself humming to yourself, right? Yeah. I don't have to <laughs> eat quietly. Why would I eat quietly in this situation? I'm happy. I'm happy. A good thing is happening to me, right? So this idea of even how we measure boasting, it's like there are, there are, it's, you know it when you see it. But some folks want to call everything boasting when it's not them. So we have to be discerning about who we listen to, whose characterizations of the boasting we actually see as valuable, right? Or regard as correct. It is important that we celebrate our stuff. So if you find yourself, if we follow the metaphor, scoring a touchdown in your life, dance. And you know what? If you're the type of person where handing off the ball to the referee, I don't know what that means in the metaphorical sense, and just walking back to the bench is like the kind of flex that you like to do because it gets into people's head and you're like, dang, he ain't even, she ain't, they ain't even, see, yeah. they don't, it's like they don't even care that this happened. It's, if that's your version, if that's what you like, then you do that. But also, can we just let everybody enjoy their stuff and stop asking questions about it and caring how they can? Can we just let them have it? Fam, <laughs> you oh. know it it, it. it it. So this got me to thinking about like so things that people do that aren't harmful to me but that annoy me. And then I have to ask myself, wait, why are you annoyed, and why does that actually matter? Mm -hmm. Prime example. I have fam family members who say in text communications or in social media posts, type in all caps. Almost bit my water out. And I get annoyed because, <laughs> <laughs> because in the, in the internet realm, all caps, is to signify being loud. Yeah, Screaming, bro, why right? are you yelling? <laughs> why, right, why are you so loud? <laughs> like, speaking in an indoor voice. Um, But then, like, I, as I thought about it, I was like, you know, this doesn't actually cause you any harm. You have a different sensibility around this thing, and that's okay. Like, you have your reasons for that. But people's different sensibilities do not equate to you're being harmed by their choice to just like do do what they do and and so and so in this way right like i think humility comes with recognizing like what is good and right and valuable and virtuous for you without trying to conscript everyone else to that pattern to that behavior like man y'all need to be more like me man you know act like you've been here before it's like Fam, what if I haven't been here before? Can I please be excited? Right. Can I, Listen, like, can I be geeked up about something? Like, half the people who be saying that act like you've been here before ain't been there either. They just mad because you're there. Bruh, exactly. And, and this, I think for me, it kind, kind of brings, brings me, you know, to this sort of ultimate question. Like, what is it we're trying to reclaim through like a renegotiated relationship to humility? Because um, one, one, one of the things that, that, comes to mind is as we've said you know it's not about 
denial or refusal of what is real, what is valuable, but it's also not about like an overblown sense of things. It's not about a false view or narrative of who we are and what we want. But I, I, one, one of the things that became clear for me was in order for me to embrace humility in the best way, I also have to be willing to name what it is that I want and I desire. Because mm -hmm. even in the ways that like say, you know, pining for a person, a thing, a possibility was not the healthiest way to be. It was also instructive of the fact that Oh, you desired this for some reason. Yeah. And on some level, you want to be desired. Mm -hmm. You want to be seen as valuable in the way that you're assigning value. And so like the, the humbling lesson for me came in saying, so what are you doing to live up to the kinds of standards or hopes or possibilities that you have for life? Because... I'm like, the, the world will assign value as it chooses. I have no control over that. So then the question becomes, how do I want to lean into like my power to say, hey, you know what? You can't control the assignment of value, but you can control the work you do that relates to your worth, your well-being. Like we, we can care for ourselves and do so in a way that that sometimes like getting to that point of real care and self-regard means I have to stretch beyond my learned inhibition. Yeah. I got to be willing to say. And, and I and I stick by I, I stick by this truism in my own life that we do not get what we deserve. We get what we negotiate. Mm -hmm. The question is. Am I willing to enter into the honest negotiation with myself and to say, it's fine for you to desire this thing, this possibility. It's not fine for you to pretend as though that's just going to fall. Anything is just going to fall in your lap. Like, cause it's not, it's not humble to like downplay a thing and pretend like, Oh, well, you know, I, man, I'll never do that. Or that's not humility. That's just defeatism. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's 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 choosing to walk in the fullness of it, right? Um, yeah. And and there's an there's a necessity for honesty mm -hmm. with ourselves that allows us to kind of truly set the trajectory. So the the question that you're asking is an important one, right? So if we imagine, you know, what it will require for us to be that version of ourselves, yeah. uh, not the capitalistic best version, right? But mm -hmm. um, then we also have to ask the question, how do our daily practices actually map to the vision that we have for ourselves or the hopes that we have for ourselves? And that, you know, if we, if we hide from it, that's that false humility, right? We're not really telling the truth about what we want. And it, 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 it would behoove us to actually seek out those desires or explore them and then explore the, the types of behaviors that might produce that and bring it into the natural world. So yeah, man. I mean, well, the things have been said. <laughs> yeah bro like what can i say in 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 the end man like we we um we have so much more in us than the world will readily reveal to us mm. which means then that we've got to orient ourselves in a different way like our our sources of self-regard shout out to tony morrison um cannot be grounded in the fickle imagination and attractions and desires of this world. Right? And, and, you know, and I'm not trying to get, you know, all like, you know, metaphysical or anything. Right. But like, what I, what I am saying is that ultimately we have to be willing to seize the power that is available to us. 
Mm-hmm. And humility in, I believe, its highest and best form is an acknowledgement of a recognition of that capability. And to say, it would be wrong of me. It would be falsely humble of me to live beneath that possibility, to live beneath that privilege. And so that reframing for me is what becomes critical. I'm not, I'm not seeking to live up to somebody else's standard for the best of my life. I'm seeking to honor the standard that I know exists within me because of my gifts, my talents, my presence in the world. So that's how I want to live, man. Like, same. Absolutely. Well, y'all, that's the, uh, that wraps up another episode of the Black Men Unlearning podcast. Thanks for joining us and uh, let them choke. <laughs> yeah, man. Because listen, if they hungry enough, they'll find something else to eat. Is there? All right, y'all. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Black Men Unlearning podcast. You can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Black Men Unlearning and email us at blackmenunlearning at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our feed wherever you listen to podcasts.